Welcome to the Aesthetic Entrepreneur's GSD, the number one podcast for aesthetic and beauty business owners who want to get stuff done and become the entrepreneurs the world needs them to be. Many of you out there are uncertain, overwhelmed, and confused about this thing called business. Where there's uncertainty, we give you comfort. Where there's overwhelm, we create calm. Where there's confusion, we provide clarity. Right, cool. So, welcome everybody. Welcome to Date at Eight. Um, slightly different format today because what we are doing is podcast live. Yeah, slightly, yeah, it's just awesome. So, I wanted to introduce you to, well, most of you already know who I am currently talking to Stevie Potter, hey. the <laughs> Pocket Rockets. Um, and for those of you who are not in, the aesthetic entrepreneurs community and are listening to this on the podcast. Um, just going to read a little bit about Stevie. So Stevie, in her own words, <clears throat> is the founder of the Wonder Clinic and creator of Skin Truth, the formula she uses to empower independent women to liberate themselves from makeup. The philosophy behind this has come from Stevie's love of triathlon and progression from happy at happy at the back competitor to a top level amateur athlete. Um, Stevie's also the mentor for our Launchpad program and the Ascetic Entrepreneur Sponsored Athlete. So first thing I'm going to say with Stevie is welcome. And this is a momentous day. So introduce yourself and why is this a momentous day? Um, thank you. It is a very momentous day. It's been very exciting. Um, so today, I, I we've been waiting for about... I don't know how many months now um, for some very special kit to arrive, which I'm currently wearing my new GB polo shirt, which is really exciting. Um, And I've had all my tracksuit and my kit and everything delivered today. And I don't know how many months that we've been waiting for that, but um, I think probably the longest uh, and most exciting, but frustrating part of the GB athlete journey has been going from qualifying for my European uh, Sprint Championships, which is supposed to be in August this year, and then waiting for the kit. And I found out I qualified in, um, I think, September, maybe. And uh, I think I got and I got the kit today, and it's the 30th of April. <laughs> I love, I love it. it's bureaucracy. You've got to give a spin. Show the top, to the back. So for those of you listening to this, Stevie is sporting a royal blue polo shirt with GBR... Uh, and the union uh, flag and um, age group athletes. G- yeah. So it's, it's, and it's a fantastic, I'm really pleased. It's a great day. And as I said, you know, Stevie's the sponsored athlete for aesthetic entrepreneurs, which is, you know, is a great opportunity, I think, for, for both parties. You get sponsored and we get, uh, you know, to honor one of our own. And, you know, and also I, you get our logo splashed all over your kit. It's awesome. Good job. <laughs> Um, but it does actually make me go faster in training to like imagine I'm wearing it. So that's good. These are all important things. <laughs> so as even though you are, you know, you sort of trained as a trained as a dentist, you're an aesthetic practitioner, you're entrepreneur, you are also, as you know, say, you know, a high level amateur athlete. Um, but you weren't always so, were you? No, I am. Um, my mum tells quite a good story about uh, one of the first days I was at school and um, I got sent home and she was like, oh, what have you done to my kid? And I came home and I had a big bust lip and um, I, the teacher was like, I don't know what happened, but she managed to, she was running in the playground and she's fallen over her own coat sleeves. And um, I just like, there was never the great beginning for an athlete. And from then on, it was kind of like, I was always quite nerdy. I was quite good. At, I was quite quick at like English, math, science, all that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, what happened from a very early age is that um, all of my teachers and my family and everyone was like, oh, well, you're good at everything else. Like you're really good at academia. So don't worry, you're not going to be good at everything. So you're not going to be very good at sport. And I kind of accepted that as the norm. And um, right the way through secondary school, I kind of self-seeded myself, bottom of the swimming group, didn't really want to do it, hated swimming lessons, 
learned to swim by just falling off the edge of the sea because I live near the coast. Um, so yeah, I had basic survival skills. That was about it. And then um, when I got to uni, um, so I did, I did do some karate and horse riding and kind of sports like that which was mainly to channel my energy because I always had a lot of energy. I just wasn't very sporty. Um, and then when I got to uni, I came back from my first time at uni and dad was like, yeah, you look a bit chubby around the edges, you know? And uh, I was like, yeah, I, I probably do. So um, for want of not, not wanting to get a beer gut, I decided I'd just don a pair of trainers. and was like, you know what? Running's free and I'm a student and I need to not get fat. So um, yeah, I just started running and I was like, oh yeah, I'm kind of limp for Christie. This is great. And then after about 200 meters, um, kind of died a, a death. Yeah. Um, but just, just persevered with it and kind of mum entered me into my first 10K and I just was like, right, got a goal. And just went from there, really. And then the rest is kind of history. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. So you, um, yeah, you, you don't necessarily have, a, have the sprinting physique. Um, it's also, it's great for dads, isn't it? It's like, hey, love, how you doing? You're a bit of a chubber. Uh, yeah. Here's some trainers. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Brutal honesty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because totally your, your dad's a sports, sportsman as well, isn't he? Yeah, so my dad um, was a bodybuilder. So I remember being about two or three toddler age um seeing my dad on stage uh he got to um he went to Wembley he went to um where were we for aesthetic medicine live Olympia Olympia. Uh, so he performed on stage there with a couple of the guys from the gladiators um but he never he never quite made it his last um big competition he had actually been on some antibiotics for having his wisdom teeth out and it just skewed his kind of water so he never quite made it where he wanted to and he kind of gave up decided he wanted to spend more time with his family but he was really competitive in that sense physical fitness has always been really important and I think it's been a way that he channeled a lot of energy as well um into Mm. something into competition and and so I kind of was brought up in an atmosphere where if I wanted to do something it was always like if you're going to do something do it the best that you possibly can um I think that's probably from his background um more, more than anything I think well, it's interesting because, you know, essentially you've been raised in an environment where those, because it's a way of life, you know, you don't suddenly a bodybuilder and decide to do it. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a vocation. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's something he always obviously did before I was born. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it was a massive, that's, he gave it up purely because he couldn't do that to the level that he wanted to mm. and have a family and decided, you know, wasn't quite going to make it. So family was more important, but I think he was very pleased the day that I actually said, do you, I, think, I remember coming home from, from uh, uni one time after I'd been running for a little bit and I was like, dad, I've decided I'm going to do the London marathon. And I, I swear he nearly cried. He was like, Oh, you're actually going to do something. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dad, I'm, I'm glad that I've, I've kind of hit a little, little button in there that you're really quite proud now. <laughs> I like your dad. I think he sounds like he insults his children in the same unique way that I do with me, with my own. Not massively. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah. Like I, if I put on a little bit of weight, I can rely on dad to be like, he, so he lost some weight recently and then I put on a bit of weight, was in the off season and he was like, oh, you and I are nearly the same dress size now. He's like 16 stone. <laughs> he is, sounds like a ledge. Absolutely. <laughs> so, do you, so you're, you're kind of um, you are a little bit of a force of nature for those who do know you and have had the pleasure of spending time in your company. Um, so just sort of give an example of how kind of Stevie works is, um, you know, we've been sort of working together as a sort of, you know, business development. I've been helping you grow and develop the Wonder Clinic. Um, crikey, how long now? It's got to um, be. I think it's about, it must be just under a year. Yeah, it's just, just under a year. So it's been some big changes that you kind of, you've been through in that time. And, it all started off with our Launchpad program. That's where we kind of, we, we've met and you were involved in that. And Stevie, you know, you, you flew through that. You implemented a lot of the, the, you know, the lessons and the things that are in that. And then, then essentially, uh, you're, you, you are the mentor for the Launchpad program, but I don't ever remember hiring you. You just kind of decided that you were going to do it. <laughs> and I had to just kind of just say, yes, this is how Stevie works. Yes. <laughs> So well, I'm yeah, like, do... I think if I'm good at something and I'm I'm willing to do it, then I should I should make other people identify me as like, oh yeah, I need that person. Yeah, exactly. It was just I'm going to be doing this. Is that right? And they're like, uh, good, okay, so, right, thank you. So, yeah. uh, okay, cool. I don't I don't mind. It's it's brilliant. So um, so that that kind of that drive that that um, you you have an, a, a very unique approach to things 
which I think, you know, absolutely transfer, translates into your triathlon training, but also I think helps to drive the way that you approach the business as well. And there's a massive connection between sport and business. There always has been. But going back to your, your you know, your triathlete days, what, what is it that drove you to do it? Um, I mean, the initial spark, the reason I, the, the kind of practical reason I got into triathlon was, um, <clears throat> again, dad, very helpful. He's very helpful. Um, he's kind of, I'm like, dad, um, I've got injured running because I basically got picked out by the rowing team. I'm about five foot and a half an inch tall. Um, I weigh on a good day about 51 kilos. And uh, the rowing team was like, hey, you're really loud and bossy and small and we need you to sit in our boat and cox us. And I was like, yeah, okay, I don't know what that is, but I'll give it a go. And um, so got in with that. And the whole ethos of rowing is all about, it's obviously a team sport. Um, I'd never been involved in that before, but I was suddenly surrounded by all of these really keen um, athletes. Um, Newcastle University Rowing is like a massive um, international squad. We produce a lot of GB athletes from that squad. So I was then suddenly surrounded by really high performance athletes. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I want to be a part of this. And so in order to compete and get to those top boats, I'm going to have to um I'm going to have to build some kudos amongst me and the mm. rowers. So although I can't go out and do the training session on the water, other than sitting in and helping them with that, coaching them through that, learning as much as I can about rowing. And um, what I can do is I can go and do the land sessions with them. So I turned up um, twice a day, every day I was doing the water training. And then I was also doing the weights. I was doing the running and I got a little bit injured in the running. Um, and so dad kind of threw some triathlon magazines at me and was like, why don't you try this? I don't know what it's about, but here's some stuff. Let's read about it, research it. And um, it might, might help you stay in one piece. Cause if you run forever, you're going to fall apart and be in a wheelchair. So um, try and try and do something, do, do a little bit of variety. And again, obviously because of, from his training background, he kind of knows how to stay together and how to fall apart. So um, mm. did a, did a bit of research. I was like, yeah, this could work for me going to fit in with what I want to do it's going to be great weight control because I needed that for my coxing and um, I did my first duathlon in 2011 and I basically hopped my bike onto a train went to Durham um, cycled a mad dash through hilly Durham was like oh this is my first race did the race they threw a trophy at me and finished second in my category just because I'd tried really hard. And then um, I had to wait like four hours for the next train back and then um, just kind of got home and no one really knew what duathlon was. So that's a run and then a bike and then a run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, well, this is quite good fun. I'm really knackered. So it's a good way to channel my energy. Um, so maybe I should do more of this. And then it, I learned to swim. I could already swim a little bit, but I learned to do some front crawl just by taking advice off people in the local pool. And then every time I did one, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that. Maybe I can do it a little bit better. Maybe I can go a little bit quicker on the bike. Maybe I can just push myself a little bit more. Mm. And every time I did it and I got better and better, it was kind of a self, um, there was a lot of momentum. It was self-perpetuating kind of prophecy that I was like, mm. I just really enjoy the success. And, and that's kind of the same in an entrepreneur mindset is that you enjoy success. So you do more. And yeah. then I just kind of, yeah, I ended up, um, at Ironman because that's what was in all the magazines was like this elusive kind of Ironman race. Um, and I was like, Oh, what's that? Um, maybe I'll have a go at that. And, um, here I am now. <laughs> so have you got your Ironman tattoo? No, not yet. You're not pretty, yet. disappointed in me, aren't you? No, not at all. It's funny. Cause I think, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the, 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 I have to admit the whole, you know, even though you may may not think about it, I have done sport at some point in my life. I played rugby. <laughs> Most people know I played rugby, and I played rugby to a decent, a reasonable level. Um, but um, triathlon f- for me is always one of those sort of um, sporting endeavours that I kind of look on with a little bit of awe um, because you know I can't run and I can't swim. Um, I can just about cycle, but I have really no interest in it. And it's I've run a half marathon before and ran a half marathon and then sort of when you realize that a full marathon is two of those that's just never going to happen um and then if you throw sort of you know running and then some swimming in there and I've got to do the bike as well yeah so so I get it and I get and I understand you know when you do things like that and you have that massive reward the desire to have the tattoo I get that absolutely but then there's doing that and then there's becoming and a, you know, an age group athlete, a, J- a GB athlete, that's kind of like a bit of another level in my <laughs> mind. Um, so, you know, 
I want to, I want to kind of explore that a little bit. So yeah, you've done the triathlon, you've done the Ironman. Uh-huh. Why is it you just, because the other thing is also you coach yourself. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no one else involved in all of this. This is no. just you and your brain. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just quite a mad place. Just me and my brain. I think if we were left on a desert Island, it'd be chaos. But um, yeah, I am. Um, so I did Ironman and I'm, I think I'd been working up to that goal for probably a couple of years after I started triathlon because it was in all of the magazines. It was like the Holy mm. grail and far fewer people did it than they do now. It's become a lot more publicized. Um, but it wasn't really anything that anybody knew about. And, um, I'm just looking at my poster now actually to remind me of what the distances are. So it's 2.4 miles of swimming. It's 112 miles on the bike and then it's a marathon. So you do it all in one go. Mm. And, um, with the Ironman events, I think you have about 16 hours to do it. So I did it in 12 hours, 55. That's up there. I wanted to do it in 13 hours and I was Bob on 12:55. So was pretty happy with that. But, um, yeah, so I, I kind of been looking at that for like, I think five years really I'd been probably training up for it um mm. and that was loads of process goals along the way so that was right up from doing my first sprint triathlon and then realizing I wanted to do Ironman and then every time you go up a distance in triathlon you basically double it mm. so then it was the next year right I'm going to do Olympic distance triathlon and you've got to throw open water swimming into the mix so I have to kind of learn that along the way but I never looked at it I looked at it as kind of I want to do Ironman but what do I need to do to get there? So then I just broke it down. And I was like, well, this season I'm going to do this. And this season I'm going to do this. And right from the start, I had like a five-year plan. So when I finally did Ironman, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I feel intense. I feel like my entire life is complete. And if I died right now, I'd be totally happy. And then I had this huge void um, because I'd spent on a kind of big week, I'd spent 22 hours was my biggest week of training so I would obviously go to work and I'd do all my training around that that was literally my life I sacrificed family get-togethers um I Christmas day I'd be out for ages and then I'd be having a nap like it was just training was my life um so when I'd done it I was like well what am I going to do now because I didn't really want to do another one I'd achieved what I needed to um I wanted to do Ironman Wales in less than 13 hours and it was considered one of the toughest in Europe and I was like I don't have anything else to prove on the scene and um, Mm -hmm. from a physical point of view it kind of ruined me a bit I'd had a stress fracture in the lead up to it which had been quite stressful Um, and I'd also I've got a long-term injury in my back um, from basically being bent over in the aero position for about eight hours and then going upright to run a really hilly marathon so I've basically Christmas day that year bent over to put the lead on the dog and was crippled for quite a long time um so I was like I can't I can't do another one of these I don't need to but also it's physically it's gonna kill me Mm. so I thought well what am I gonna do instead so I um one of my friends had done a GB qualification and I was like I really enjoy the sprint event it's really fast I can train with it I can do a few hours a week and I can still perform really well so I'll just give it a shot I'll go to a bigger race because obviously most of the races have just been kind of local I'll go to a bigger race and I'll just see how I perform and then next year um I'll really think about qualifying and um so I went to Eton sprints last May um and I came out of the water like probably second from last because my swimming was rubbish got on the bike loved it led the pack out um just overtook so many people worked really well with another girl on the bike and then um kind of forgot all about it It was like yeah great race brilliant and you don't actually get the notification that you qualified until much later on and I was sat in a cafe in London on a training day just on my laptop an email came through and was like oh you've qualified and I was like Oh, I suddenly have a new focus for my life now. But it was just completely unexpected because I hadn't expected to do it last year. I was kind of mm. just prepping and seeing where I, where the land lay. And that's very much how I've done it is I've just tried stuff and then gone from there. Um, the same with my self-coaching. I've, I've read a lot. I've done a research. I know what works for me. I know what the science is. I make the time to research stuff. And then I just follow my plan. So I make a plan that I know is going to work. And then... I follow it and I've had a lot of people say oh you should be doing this you should be doing that and I'm like well okay but is your plan working because it Mm. looks to me like I'm on the GB squad and you're not so my (laughs) plan's probably working better than yours (laughs) (laughs) whilst whilst giving them the finger yeah yeah whilst I'm carrying all my heavy medals around clinking together (laughs) excuse me let me just grab that I didn't mean to drop that there yeah yeah sorry (laughs) gold for something so 
No, no, it's, it's and again, it's, I think it's the, 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 the so going back to looking at the connection between business and sport. So what, what, what do you think that's been in the sort of Jeep in the training and the triathlon stuff that you've carried over into the wonder clinic? What kind of things are, have a connection? So in terms of my, in terms of what I say to my clients, um, it's all about um, success and confidence um, in yourself because you cannot race unless you're comfortable in yourself because you're always going to be preoccupied with something, um, you know, do I look okay and all the rest of it. And that's what the philosophy that I bring over to my patients is that actually I need to be able to be confident that I'm not worried about how I look and everything else and what everyone else thinks of me. Um, and that's an integral part of my business philosophy. Mm. Um, but in terms of how I actually grow my business, um, it's the parallels are huge because I have one book for my trainings. I have a big training diary and I have another book for my business and they're both kind of pre-printed items. But when I look Mm. at the similarities between them, it's hilarious because I've been writing a training diary for like six, seven years now And the first thing you do is you write in the cover, what are your big goals? So what do you want to achieve this year? And so, and one of the things that you always talk about is, okay, what's your big goal? Mm. Um, You know, what's your kind of like burning desire, all that kind of thing. So that's always written in the cover. And it's the same with your business diary. It's like, what is your big goal for the year? And then you, with training, you write down what your process goals are. So, um, you know, if, if you want to go and I say, well, I need to compete and I need to do this time, I might say I need to go in and finish a 5K. In, so this year I want to do a 5K in sub 21 minutes um, in a triathlon. So that's a process goal as well. In real times, I need to be able to run a sub 21 5K, no problem. Um, my swim time needs to be X, Y, Z. And so that's your process goal. Mm. And then you go through a big planner. So the same as you talk about in business, you talk about having a big wall planner and kind of planning stuff out from there. This is the same. You have a planner, you plan out the different phases. So it's a bit like planning your campaigns. You plan out what phases of training you need to be in from where your race is. So you kind of work backwards from there. And then when you go through the weeks, you're like, right, I need to do this many hours. And the goal of this week is to do this Um, and so to do that I'm going to do these sessions and so everything is broken down into a goal and it makes Mm. it really easy because I can look at my training diary and I've already put in the work so I literally look at today for example right I need to do a power test and that's it yeah I don't need to think about the bigger plan because I know that when I sat down to work it all out it all fitted together and if I can achieve every single goal for every single session that relates to my week goals that relates to my month goals my kind of training periodization Mm. then I will get to what I need to from the beginning it's a really brilliant way of working and i think it's it requires a, a discipline hmm. i think that's 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 the thing and also when you think about it what was the most useless thing that i bought this year is a 2020 planner <laughs> yes yeah, mine's coming in really handy because it's still the same it's just training diary yeah. it's just, there's no swimming <laughs> yeah, yours, yours is awesome mine's just like literally the only thing that's remained in it that's static are the, are the birthdays um <laughs> So, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I absolutely. And I think, you know, we talk about, as you say, burning desire. We talk about planning, uh, con- consistency, um, and putting, you know, breaking those big goals down into small, as you call them process goals. I really like that as a, as a, a way to, uh, articulate them. I think I might be stealing that. Um, you know, it's the process goals. And if you, you put them in the right place and you trust and you just execute those things and you will trust that you achieve the, the picture. Yeah, I mean, I always think of it like I can only I can only control what I can control. But Mm. if I if I put in a hundred percent effort, you know, it goes back to my parents always saying to me, "Look, whatever you do, do a hundred percent effort." So if Mm. I get on the start line and I know that I've put in all of the effort because I did the research, I did the planning, and every single session I turned up. And sometimes you do have to adapt. That's the other thing is sometimes I might go, "Oh well, I'm supposed to if today I was supposed to do a power test, but if I hadn't if I'd been feeling under the weather, I wouldn't have done a power test because obviously Mm. that would have been counterproductive." So there's always that in the back of your mind saying, okay, well, what am I going to do as an alternative? I'll do this, but I'll do something. Or, you know, if you have had a week off for illness, so I had a week of really bad flu and it took me a few weeks to get over it. And I'm like, it's fine. These things happen and they happen to everybody else too. And you just kind of go, it's okay. I just need to reset for a little minute and come back to it. And then again, I might need to just change my schedule so I can ramp up and get back into it again. And then I'll be fine because I've got a base of fitness that I've put Mm -hmm. the effort in to do. So as long as you kind of 
put the effort in to understand what you're doing and then like say create those process goals and always keeping in mind what your burning desire is so my always in the back of my mind if I'm not feeling great if I've had a bad result and I'm feeling a bit deflated is like right Sweden August Mm. you know yeah yeah having that so one of the things that sort of one of the questions that sort of come up is what's the main thing that keeps you motivated and I guess it's having having that burning desire that that goal and it's funny the conversations I've been having over the last sort of week so for those who are listening in the future it's uh 30th of April uh 2020 mid apocalypse everything's changed um and everybody's sort of at home losing their marbles slowly (laughs) but you know but at the end of the day I think if from a goal setting perspective I think a lot of people have quite weak goals because they're based around outcomes as opposed to actual you know, proper kind of goal. So, you know, if you're the, the outcome is, you know, for money, for example, I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, that's not particularly inspiring. I think, you know, from your point of view as a, as an athlete, do you think your, is your goal to win an event or do you consider your goal to be the kind of sense of satisfaction and emotion that you'll get from winning the said event? Um, I think it depends on the event. So like to go to Sweden, I know that the, I know that the competition is going to be intense and obviously with everything that's happened, everyone is, the, the playing field is no longer even because mm. you've got people over in Sweden who are swimming. You've got people in Spain who can't even go out on the bike. So that it's completely, if it goes ahead in, in all this, it's going to be interesting. Um, but if carnage. I turn up to a local race, yeah, carnage, it's going to be mental. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even know if I can remember how to swim. I maybe just do this. I don't know how this works. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, um, if I go, so I was supposed to go to a race in April. Um, I won it last year, and the aim would have been to win. Now I can't mm. control who turns up on the start line, but mm. I can control myself, and I can know what I did last year, and I can look at it and go, right, I need to be aiming to be better than that because every year I want to be better. And obviously, you're not going to do that every year. But if I've had, if I've put in the effort of training, and I've had a fairly good winter considering what I've been up to, because I've just mm. been doing my level seven as well, um, so it's kind of you know, I did have to adapt things. Um, but I think the the kind of the championships will be more about, you know what, I'm really proud to be there wearing my shirt with my Aesthetic Entrepreneurs mm. logo and just being a part of it. Um, and I would like to try and do that again because um, the feeling of being part of something that people really look up to is absolutely amazing. And so it's just the emotion to be involved with that is really important. But if it's more local races, it is, yeah, I'm in it to win it. So it just yeah. entirely depends. I mean, Iron Man was very much, actually, there was a little bit of resentment because I met a few fat guys on the start line who were like, you'll never do it in 13 hours. And I got some really humble pie messages after that being like, (laughs) yeah, you were going home when I was still out in the dark running my laps. And I was like, yeah, I know, because I train really hard, but never mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. and fair play to you for it. But, you know, we, you have the aesthetic entrepreneurs in your corner, you know, rooting for you to, to get there. From a you know purely selfish point of view, I was looking forward to going to Sweden. I was there, you know, <laughs> literally chug, cheering you on, beer in my hand. Part because I I love Sweden and I love Swedes. Swedes are great fun. It's um, an epic. Well, from dream. my neck of the woods, they call you a Swede basher. So I don't really think I should go. Everyone's going to hate me. I'm a Swede basher. <laughs> really? That should be a the Swede, the kind of the vegetable. The ve- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't get many of those around here. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I absolutely think, you, you, of course, you'll be there. You've got the focus, you've got the drive. But you, you raise an interesting point, sort of as an aside, and you, you've kind of mentioned this to me before as a bit of insight about it being Olympic year. And all of a sudden, you've got athletes who have peaked for Olympic year and now having to wait another 12 months. Mm-hmm. And for some, you know, we talk about opportunities presenting themselves, some who may not have meddled this year, uh, I've got the opportunity to become Olympic champions next year. Yeah. I mean, it's the same in the, I don't know what's going to happen with a look because a lot of the age group races have been cancelled as well. Mm. People are going to move around age groups and it's going to, I don't know what they're going to do really, but it's going to be interesting. But I think, um, yeah, I think opportunity is an interesting one because sometimes you have to be in the right place at the right time. But what I always say is um, if you're always, always prepared to give your A game, then you're always going to be ready for any opportunity. Mm. And that's the same for sport and that's the same for business. So I turn up every single day for training or clinic in the best shape that I can possibly be in. Now, sometimes I'm having a bad day and I might feel crap, but it 
if I'm if I'm there with the attitude that like I don't know what I'm going to wake up to this morning and somebody might just come down the road and say do you know what hop in my car I've got a great business opportunity for you or someone might say hey you've qualified to be in the GB team oh great okay cool I'm ready to go so I think um yeah when you say about the the Olympics there are a lot of people potentially that are going to be really excited about that and although people are cycling their training there's a lot of people now that are going to be like I don't know what's going to happen but I'm going to make sure I'm ready for it Mm. and um again i think that's just a life thing if you turn up to your life every single day like somebody might give you an opportunity if you're looking for an opportunity then you're going to feel a lot luckier than somebody who isn't so just Mm. turn up to your life every day that's quite a good life lesson actually isn't it (laughs) it it is it is i would literally just go back to the you know the fact that you you did just say that someone might pull up to you in a car and go and pop in my car hey i've got a great business opportunity for you yeah, yeah. I, like, I think I maybe made me sound like a streetwalker. <laughs> I like, the, yeah. I like the fact it's like you from part of the world that's like really, really safe. Because if you tried that shit in London, someone's going to get shot. <laughs> Probably know them around here anyway, so it wouldn't yeah. make a difference. Probably be my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you, you make a, again, you make a very, very valid point, and I think it's something that I always subscribe to is, you know, t- you just turn up. And you know, there's so much that you can do, so much how a head start you've got by literally just turning up, right attitude. And I think that's part of the military, you know, um, the discipline is just turn up on time with the right kit. And then you're, the rest of it, you kind of, you can manage. But as long as you're there in the right time, five minutes before, with the right kit, in the right place, you kind of got 90% of it licked. Um, yeah. So, and that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of lessons there, I think. Um, so, so what's next then? What, what's the, the, the future for, for um, Stevie? Yeah, but this is the thing is because like I say, for five years of my life, I kind of had a plan and I was like, oh yeah, Iron Man, that's my life. And now Iron Man is not my life. Um, but it's nice because I think with the sprint triathlon, I'm definitely sticking with that at the moment. I may go back to Olympic distance. I may not. Um, the pain, the pain zone for sprint is high, but short, <laughs> um, which I like about it. I love it. It's really good fun. There are lots of races around that I can do and I can fit in all the training. Um, so my biggest training weeks now are only about 10 hours, which is really manageable. When I say 10 hours, people are like, oh, 10 hours. And I'm like, yeah, but if you, if you, that's kind of like one hour a day and then a couple of hours on some of the days, it's, it's mm. not, it's not that bad. Um, so I think I'm going to carry on with that. I've really, really enjoyed, um, it, despite how long it took me to get my kids, uh, <laughs> I've really enjoyed being just part of the whole build up to be in GB. I've really enjoyed um, certainly getting a partnership together with the aesthetic entrepreneurs as well. Um, and it's changed my perspective on training because I feel more like I have a couple of organizations to represent. Mm. Um, so I would like to do that more in the future. So I think, um we'll see what happens hopefully august is on and i feel like i've suddenly got a fire fueled up for next year already so um maybe do some big qualifiers next year um i'd like to go to the worlds the worlds was planned to be in bermuda next year whether that goes ahead i don't know because obviously the qualifiers are going to be this year but um yeah i'd like to maybe go go world championships maybe this is a european championship so let's go bigger <laughs> like i said let's go big or go home it's such entrepreneurs yeah, yeah. is here we are your sponsor <laughs> all the way through your gb career because i like jollies <laughs> yeah so if i just if i enter a qualifier every year and then at some point we'll get to go to the world and um and then you can all come and it'll be great we, we'll be there. Be great. <laughs> absolutely you know i'll be there it's literally begin you know, I'm quite happy to sit there on the side, just, you know, drinking <laughs> beer, cheering Stevie on, you know, we're there for a long time. There's a lot, a lot of celebrating that we can do. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're looking forward to be fantastic. So, um, so, you know, everyone in AE loves you. I think you're fantastic. Um, and the, the drive and energy that you bring to the community is always infectious. We love having you, having you here. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> but, you are still also fucking annoying though. To do, I am, do really. So just, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, so, you know, working with you is fantastic. If I was basically in force, if I was in lockdown with you, you'd be under the patio. Yeah. I think actually Big Steve is really relieved that I go to work three days a week and that I'm out <laughs> elsewhere, like doing, doing other things, um, including the supermarket shop. He's like, go at the busiest time, stay out the house. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, it's, it's incredible. So, um, we are reaching the point of the best part of these podcasts. <laughs> the 10 most important questions in the world. 
Are you ready? No, I'm really nervous, but I'm going to answer them anyway. I feel like I feel like there's a wrong answer. Well, yeah, there's the there is the wrong answer. It's the the one that I don't agree with. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, I yeah. think some of those I know what they are. So <laughs> yeah, you should do. I think you know me well. We know each other well enough to know that some of these are pretty pretty cool. So yeah, we basically ask ten questions. Um, give us the answer, and we talk about the reasons behind your answers. Gives a great bit of insight into you as a <laughs> as a human being. Um, so, are you ready? Okay. Okay. Beatles or Elvis? Elvis. Yes. Is there any? I, I, been... I know, but yeah, but I, I can't, I can't give you the Beatles on that one because I actually, I'm going to say something horrendous, and you're going to shut the podcast down now. But I think the Beatles are a little bit overrated. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you there, actually. <laughs> so Elvis, just I that. <laughs> I am. No, everyone's just like, what the fuck? The whole, you know, those are people are throwing stuff at whatever they're listening to this on. Just you know. Warfare, war has just broken Yeah, out. and then I'll be like, okay, well, tell me what's so great about them. And if they can give me some good reasons, I'm like, that's fine, but still Elvis. We've just, I've just been unfollowed by all of Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, look, you know, I, I, there's music you like and music you don't like. So, and I've not, I've not really got the Beatles. I think I understand their contribution to music um, in not being the first boy band, but, you know, contributing to music... Beatles, Bob Dylan, Elvis, a kind of thinking, well, Elvis was the f- first proper TV superstar because I don't also, think he ever left America. I think you've made it if the BBC Heritage Orchestra does something with your music. Now, they haven't uh, done that with the Beatles as far as I'm aware. And someone's going to call me out now, but they definitely did Elvis because I remember driving down to Cornwall on a summer holiday. I was about 15 listening to Elvis with some massive orchestra and it was like the best tracks ever. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was raised in a, an Elvis loving household, so I think half half the people have just basically just left because <laughs> like, how the hell's going on? How dare you? But you no, know, Elvis, Elvis 1968 comeback special is just brilliant. Um, right, I think I probably know the answer to this one anyway, but I've got to ask it: Superman or Batman? Batman. Just started reading my first Batman comic, haven't I? You have indeed. So yeah, so talk. So. Um, Steve, we we were talking uh, about Robin, weren't we? I think that's how, how. So how did it kick off? How did I end up sending you that comment? I, think, I can't remember. I think uh, you were talking about being Batman, and I was like, ah, oh, well, I think we were talking about sidekicks. I was like, yeah, okay, well, I think I'd be a pretty cool sidekick. I don't think I'd be Batman. I think I'd be the sidekick. And um, you were like, oh, there actually was a girl Robin once. And um, I was like, oh, and then you sent me a picture, and then that's right. a few days later, the the comic picked up that's right so yeah certainly the uh the the dark knight returns the best one of the finest um batman well it's a graphic novel actually defined the genre of graphic novels uh ever um if you've not heard it or not read it read it um and yeah there's a one of the, the robin character in it is actually um a girl called carrie yeah and she's really cool and i totally identify with her so thank you for sending that to me because I am no, a superhero psychic. I thoroughly believe that now. There we go. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and I have created a, a, a comic fan. It's just my job <laughs> is done. Literally, there's add another say, one. I was going to say, I think you've created a monster, but yeah, okay. That's fine. But <laughs> hey, once you got through that one, there's plenty of other other, other ones for me to recommend to you, so don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Apple or Android? Apple. Yeah. I had, we had, I've had one or two Androids or people on this. You and that? Well, I don't know. Yeah, people people are kind of like just look at strangely. <laughs> I did I did try uh, an Android phone once. Um, this is how it ha- this is how it worked. How it happened, right? Went to Australia. Um, didn't really pay much. Like I sometimes I don't do. Didn't really pay much attention to the small print, and realised that my phone contract was literally costing me about it cost me a stupid amount of money in data. Um, so um, someone said, "Well, go to." you know, one of the, the store in, Aust- in you know, Sydney and buy a pay-as-you-go phone. And I thought, okay, bought that. So I bought this Android thing and started using it. And it's just like, no, this is horrible. I just can't use it. Even the bit that really pissed me off about it was just getting into it. The zigzaggy thingy <laughs> that you swipe your finger oh, yeah, about to get yeah. in. Oh. Can't even be, I couldn't even be bothered with that. And then when I opened it up and got into it, it just made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> so I just basically then just tethered my iPhone to it and I used it as basically this data thing that I had to carry around, <laughs> talking around with two phones. Um, again, you know, horse, I think 
for me, when you look at how what Apple have achieved with their ecosystem, it's just it's just great. Um, I'm a fan. Good, glad you I are as well. I, you know, the reason that I got into Apple is um, I had an I had an iPhone. Uh, I don't even remember my first one. I must have been quite old. Not quite old. I can't say that, can I? Because I'm only 29. <laughs> but I remember getting I remember getting an iPhone, and then the next laptop that I bought was a Mac, purely because I wanted them to talk to each other, and it was pretty cool. So they just look cool. I did a lot recently on being like, how cool is it to open an Apple product? It's just even the sound of the box sliding apart when you open an iPhone. It's just like, oh, it's better than chocolate cake. It really is. <laughs> I love chocolate cake. It's big, big so I've got to go. I've got to jump back into this, right? Because I knew that when you said about the Beatles, I oh, knew, no. <laughs> right, that there would be some some could could not resist. And um, Neil Neil Pybus, I knew one, it was going to be Neil. <laughs> the wonderful Neil has, has piped up, and he said, "What's so great about the Beatles? They put music as we know it on the map." Now no, the they map. put Liverpool on the map. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> Lennon and McCartney. Did Elvis ever write a song? Oh, dear God, I thought I was with educated people. Do you know what? Actually, Neil has a point. Elvis didn't really write songs. Um, it was a lot, of, a lot of it was manufactured and a cultured image about Elvis. However, yeah, John Lennon, great songwriter. Paul McCartney, not the songs, not to, not to my taste, but as a band... My personal belief is they were as manufactured as Elvis. So, you know, let's let's move on. Okay. I'm gonna be really quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can well, you can next time we meet at a conference, I'll just there'll this be this thing hits me on the head with this Beatles cassette being thrown at me while I'm on stage. <laughs> <laughs> By Neil. I was gonna so, say Beatles um, cassette that he's been listening to the Beatles for a long time, <laughs> the Beatles cassette. <laughs> yeah. We leave him leave him alone. He's a lovely bloke. Sorry, Neil. Um right. Um PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Good. That's yeah. yeah. Actually, saying PlayStation or Xbox, um, I have. I can't get my head around. It's because this is because I'm old and I'm 46, and my kids have one's got an Xbox, one's got a PlayStation, and they said, "Dad, do you want to sit and play?" Like, yeah, I'll sit down and play. And but you spend 10 minutes getting into the game. Yeah, I have to say, like, we don't have, I don't have a PlayStation now, obviously, because I'd have absolutely no time. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I had a PlayStation growing up, and I remember, like, the whole Christmas thing, you got the new PlayStation. And then I think I got up to, like, a PlayStation 2 or 3. And I remember going, my brother's 12 years younger than me, so he's still into the gaming and has all the things. And I remember, like, when it went to the online thing, and I was like, I just, this is too complicated. Yeah. Um, and so from there, the, since then, the only computer games I've played is like old school Crash Bandicoot, which is definitely the best game ever. Um, Tekken, because I kicked my brother's bum at that. Um, but he plays like some weird farming simulators and stuff on it. And I'm like, this is not what PlayStation is about. <laughs> you are so boring. No, 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 one <laughs> no, stop that. So, but since it uh, went online, it's like really, it's a different world. I don't like it. <laughs> fucking far, farming simulators. Jesus Christ. God, no. I am... Um, so I know what my, it's my birthday coming up uh, soon, the 10th of May. Anybody wants to buy me a present? Um, and I already know what I'm getting because I demanded it. I am getting a Nintendo 64 with oh. four controllers and Mario Kart. Right? Golden Eye? That'll come, that'll come later. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I want to just like, right, I want a controller. I want to sorry, a console. I can't be asked with the Xbox and PlayStation shit. I'm just going to sit there and I turn it on. I put the thing in. And it starts, and I can play it. Yeah. That's how I want to consume my gaming. As a student, like, some quite surreal nights coming back and playing GoldenEye with the whole, like, Donkey Kong mode on. That was a bit weird. Um, yeah. But also Sega Mega Drive. Like, they should bring that back. Sonic on Sega Mega Drive was, yeah. I think you can get emulators for it. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to, i tell you what, I'll bring my, um, I'll bring the N64 to uh, GSD. Yes! <laughs> you can have some <laughs> kind of, like, tournament. It'd be amazing. Well, we'll just do Pissed Up. Talk pissed up um, Mario Kart if you're fantastic. You well, even though you don't drink, so you'll just beat everybody anyway. I just have but a coffee anyway. and I still, still lose. <laughs> we'll just spike it. Right. Um, okay. Favourite movie? I'm going to say Forrest Gump. That's a cracking movie. I didn't expect that. Forrest, Forrest Gump. I love what, Forrest Gump. Why, what is it apart from, apart from it's a wonderful, wonderful little <laughs> story, but what is it about it you like so much? I just really like, um, I love. So I, it's one of those films, I didn't watch it again until I was maybe like 19, 20. And mm-hmm. um, 
my my mum told me to watch it and I was like why I don't really get it and she was like no no it's really it's really funny I just love it because Forrest is um naive but he's a really positive guy and he just always sees the best in people and it's really nice and it's one of those films that just heartwarming for me and it and it moves me to emotion like emotional roller coaster and anytime anything bad happens in my life um you know we have those nights where you like can't sleep and they don't really happen that often mm. like um just some terrible tragedies or anything I just get up and I watch Forrest Gump but it just makes me feel so much better and I it hear you too and I just love it it is a really, really wonderful movie. And the funny thing is, actually, I was kind of, I think I was 19, 20 when I first saw it, the <laughs> first time round in 1994. <laughs> I was four then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, Stevie. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. So, yeah. Forrest, Forrest, Gumhull. Um, I like I, dogs and chocolates. <laughs> I love that movie. It's one of these things when you've got lines in there that I use to rip the piss out of people. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I rip my piss out of my brother to that, saying that he, well, I yeah, quite right. often say um, when I get a new pair of trainers and then I run and then I run, everyone's like, you've got new trainers. And I'm like, these my magic shoes. They can take me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. The thing you've got, you've actually got the accent half, halfway yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's, I think south, the south, the southern states of America and the southern areas of England are similar. <laughs> yeah, in, in lots of ways, but not quite so similar in some others. Yeah, let's leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the song that you rock out to? This is difficult, but um, I'm going to have to go with um, ACDC's Thunderstruck, purely because um, that is the Iron Man tune. And I, like, I bristle with excitement when it comes on because it takes me back to the beach, sand between my toes, and there was like anger and excitement and like wild fury in my eyes. And I was like, why am I crying? I don't really understand. And it was just mental. And it just makes my blood boil in a really positive way. So if that ever comes on, and I don't, I try not to play it too often so that it has a massive impact it, well it has power it's a yeah. song with power yeah but I mean yeah. anything to so if I'm going to races I have one CD that I play all the time and it's um Disclosure which is like obviously mm. kind of like Deep House um which that also gets me in a kind of like calm race zone and I don't really talk to too many people which is a shock for you I know um but <laughs> play Disclosure <laughs> shock I just don't fucking believe you frankly <laughs> No, disclosure is like, uh, right, I need to get my head in the race zone. I need to be like, I'm talking through the race. I'm feeling calm whilst having a giant black coffee. It's kind of very juxtaposed. Um, yeah. Mm. Disclosure is a whole different world. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have a song that make that bristles like that. I probably have. I think it's thinking that maybe um, uh, Motorhead, Ace of Spades. Yeah. It's probably mine. It's one of those we sort of play in the changing rooms before you know you kind of as you as you're getting prepped um so you've got that in your head but the trouble is is i think with the, the sports that like you've got to go out kind of a bit even a bit level so if you go out overcooked someone's going to get sent off in about 30 seconds um <laughs> so yeah well it's kind of that's why the disclosure is really good because disclosure is like um keeps me at a level where i'm kind of like stoked but i'm like you're just holding it back a little bit and then i get into the water and then it's like, bah, ACDC, because you've got to fight your way through. And if you're not fighting, you're going to get kicked in the face and pass out. So, like, you've got to, yeah, you've got to be balls out for that first 200 metres, if only to punch everybody else in the face. Um, yeah, it, right? it looks pretty violent, that kind of the triathlon kickoff bit, isn't it? You know what? I actually once got punched square in the face by a man who'd got so excited he was swimming in the wrong direction. <laughs> And I was like, where are you going? I've been punched a lot because I actually swim quite in a straight line and I get torn off by lots of men who think they're swimming in a straight line and they're not. And they always try and like beat me up and I properly just don't say anything. I'm like, why are you wasting time talking? I just punch them or kick them in the head. That's I shouldn't really say that's really naughty, isn't it? What about the say here's a question for you. What about the bike changeover? So does that kind of like descend into kind of carnage with people throwing shoes at each other and stuff? Or is it kind of because I guess you're staggered when you arrive. Yeah, it's kind of, it's not too bad, actually. But I'm actually, um, so that's another thing that I do that's really, I always I always talk to you a lot about how the fact that um, I don't, the kit is less important. Like, it's important I have good kit, but I don't need the top kit. I need kit that works for me. One of the things um, that most triathletes do is they, they have their shoes fastened to their bike. And you watch them all come out. And, like, there are very few athletes in the world that can actually fly onto their bike 
and go and make it look graceful. Everyone mm. else is kind of losing time because they're basically trying to jump on this bike with their shoes attached and they look like they're kind of going really slow. <laughs> so I just put my cycling shoes on in transition, which is like not a GB athlete thing to do at all. And then I just run out in them like a little fairy and jump <laughs> on my bike and off I go. And I even like stop to get on my bike, but I'm still quicker than everybody else. The only place where it was a bit of a carnage was in Ironman because everyone was trying to like, there were so many people, it was like thousands of people. And so even though you were staggered, everyone was trying to get on because you have to get on by this mount line after that. And so oh, it was a nightmare. But yeah, generally speaking, if you're smart about it, I avoid the, the melee because I yeah. just use my brain. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Just into, into, I've just got, there's a question or a statement that I have to read because okay. it's actually just, it's gone back to the question about the Elvis thing. So, you know, that's different. Thing. But I think this will make you laugh, right? So uh, this is from Michelle. Uh, well, as an aesthetic practitioner, I can understand Elvis as he made the levator anguli oris nasal muscle famous. Levator, yeah, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming that's the lip curling muscle. That one. Yeah. Yeah. It is. For those of you who can't actually see this, this is the lip curling <laughs> muscle. Uh, levator labii superioris aliquinasi, actually, but, I think the other one. That is frankly the geekiest thing anyone's I've ever heard related to Elvis. Um, <laughs> I think there should be a, there's a special award coming for the UV show. So what the you know how to like take something that's really cool and make it not. Uh, yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, just suck the joy out of Elvis. Thanks yeah, but that. because I'm a nerd, I find it quite funny. Yeah. What was the other Latin thing that you said? Levator labia. Anyway, moving on. Sun or snow? Sun. I cannot ski. I cannot snowboard. I've never done either of them. I have no desire to. Uh, I used to be able to ski. So when I had knees and I was, I could <laughs> ski. Um, I wasn't too bad at it actually. And then I just my knees disappeared. So I started snowboarding. And you kind of think, yeah, snowboarding is a little bit cool. And you know how you sort of try really hard to like stuff, but it really deep down just hate it. And that's what I was, so I'm like with winter sports. I really don't like the whole being hot and cold at the same time thing. It's just I think, irritating. I think that the, I think what's always put me off is there's such a high chance of me falling over and dying. Mm. I told you the story way back at the beginning about me falling over my own coat ski, <laughs> and I still am that clumsy. I've just channeled that I can actually do three sports in a row now. Um, so I don't think winter sports is for me. But also, and then I think, and I was like, oh, you'd really enjoy it because it's really active. And I'm like, yeah but it's an expensive way to find out if I don't, isn't it? And like, yeah. I wouldn't be doing the whole apres ski thing because I don't really drink. Like that doesn't float my boat either. So it just, yeah, it's not for me. And sun, obviously cycling, swimming outdoors, you know, what, what else would you need? That's just life. Yeah, the, the, there's nothing, nothing cheap about winter sports. But you know what, I, I get it. I think there's something quite cool about it. But um, given the, you know, a beach, I'd rather be there. So that's that. Each to their own. Okay. What is your go-to business book? Well, obviously, I've read Changing Faces like three, four times. It's been very well annotated. You have seen it and signed it, and it's very well dogged. Um, I like it because... um, it relates to my business very specifically. And there are not a lot of books out there that relate to aesthetics. So I really like that. Mm. Um, But at the moment... See, this is a really difficult question because I have loads... I think the seven habits is probably a personal development rather than a business, but I'm reading, I tell you what I have read recently is um, Daniel Priestley's Mm -hmm. and um, I've just read key person of influence. um, And I'm in the middle of entrepreneur revolution. So I think the Dan Priestley books are really helping me because they're cementing all of the things that we kind of believe in uh, aesthetic entrepreneurs as well in a different format. And it's nice to, um, yeah, just it's just it supports supports the belief structure that I have, and um, it's a really easy read. But it it also you know that it works because yeah. there's people in there that that it's worked for, and it's and it's using the same model that we kind of talk about. And um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, you've, you've Dan Priestley's in this podcasting series. If anybody's listening to that, go back to episode nine, I think it is, um, where we we where I interviewed Dan Priestley, and um, yeah. It, He's a, he's, you know, he's a very insightful guy. Um, but there's also, there's a lot of com- commonality in what he says with what Stephen Covey talks about. Mm, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, 
in a sense, what, what I like about it is it's common sense, but it gives me, gives you confidence that you can create a good business by not being a dick. <laughs> yeah, I think also it's nice because, um, like you say, Dan Priestley's kind of, he's almost like he's digested what Stephen Covey did and then kind of like threw it up in an easier format mm. for you to digest. Yeah, That's yeah. like a horrible way to put his book, but it's actually really good. Um... <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's it's a fair point because I think you know the Seven Habits is is it's not an easy read. Yeah. It's not something that you can kind of fly through. But I um I think it's 2011 that I read that book for the first time, and um I think I, I lost it. I read it, went through it, uh, and I actually kind of you know wrote some of the principles in the back of the book. And then I kind of couldn't find it. And I picked it up last year and I looked at the principles I'd written down in the back of the book. And one of them was to inspire, like one of the principles I'd said is I wanted to do was to inspire other people to, to create success. And when I saw that, I kind of like thought, oh my God, you know, that honestly, that's where it started. It was that thing. And it hit, it's obviously just kind of wired in, into my business DNA. And in, and yours as well, I think, because, you know, just sort of touching on something different, one, you know, you're, desire to coach you know to mentor stepping into yeah. launch pad um the uh pocket rocket sessions that you've been doing every tuesday um that's quite entertaining because <laughs> you started off with quite a few people and it actually if what it has done is followed the plan the part the plan of lockdown everyone was like literally you had like over 20 people watching on this facebook live on the first one and then i think it was like about seven yeah but I've now got like a core niche of about four people and I'm really like you guys are my fans and We're those there. people are going to be the fittest people ever out of lockdown well <laughs> uh, it, it's working so if you haven't uh dialed into Stevie's sessions on the AE Facebook group uh you should do they'll be there forever more so even after <laughs> lockdown you literally jump in and you'll see the pocket rockets fitness sessions they're fan they are really good hard uh I won't definitely don't do them with a 20 kilo kettlebell that will end. Your, that that will was end. I'm sorry. That, Gosh, wasn't that, that wasn't. That wasn't clever. But I didn't have a smaller kettlebell, so I thought oh, that would do. And then, ping. <laughs> right. Last question. Then, uh, what is the best bit of advice you have ever received? This is really hard. I don't know. Uh, the best bit of advice I've ever received. Um, I think actually it has to be. Um, good old mum and dad and saying, you know what, whatever you do, as long as you do it to the best of your ability, then that's all you need to do. Because um, I remember my mum saying, I don't care if you're the queen or a bin man, as long as you're the best bin man you could be, then I'm happy with that. Because like I say, if I say, if I stand on the start line now at a race, I have never ever stood, well, I probably have on some 10Ks, but never at a triathlon particularly. Um, that's important to me have I stood there and gone I haven't put my best in for this mm. whatever it was and whatever the circumstances I've even even if I've looked back and gone you know what it's been a really difficult time like now I might look back and go it was a really difficult time but I'm still going to look back and go I did the best with the time that I had and the mental state that I was in and the resources that I had and everything else that was going on so I think if you can always try your best and um, whatever your best is and keep it as an internal goal, not an external, don't compare yourself to everybody else. If you can do your internal best 100% of the time, then good for you. That's a brilliant bit of wisdom there, Stevie. So Stevie Potter, founder of Wonder Clinic, creator of Skin Truth, GB athlete, mentor of Launchpad, Pocket Rocket, been... <laughs> fantastic having you on this really enjoyed it um thank you very much for uh for your time thank you for having me on it's nice <laughs> yeah absolute pleasure i'm sure everyone's got an awful lot out of it if they want to get hold of you what's the best way for people to contact you um so i've got my business page on uh facebook which is the wonder clinic so it's facebook.com forward slash wonder clinic and then a capital sw um i'm on instagram as well at wonder clinic um you can email me uh stevie's wonder clinic at gmail.com um and if you're in aesthetic entrepreneurs i'm floating around literally all of the time so i check aesthetic entrepreneurs and launchpad and club and everything when i wake up first thing in the morning because it's my life so um just, just <laughs> 
<laughs> because we, we are that, uh, I do that as well. We're that tragic. Yeah, Kai, yeah. Yes. this is my new family. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm sure there's some questions in the group for you, but um, I'll let you crack on. Um, we'll you. pick them up later on. And take care, have a great evening, speak to you soon. Thank you very much, guys, for, for, for um, joining us on Data 8. I really like this new format. I think we're going to stick with it. Um, I think it adds a lot more value than just me rambling on pointlessly. For um, I'm still going to do that, by the way. But, I was going to say, you're doing it now. It's <laughs> yeah. a good point. Thank you. Right, take care. Bye, guys. See you. Subscribe now for tips, insight, and stories to enhance, empower, educate, and elevate your business to new heights.